Hey, good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to River Glen. So good to uh, be together with you. Welcome everybody here in Waukesha and everybody in Pewaukee and those of you joining us online, wherever you're located, wherever you're sitting right now, just great to have you join with us as we continue this series, uh, Battle Ready, going through the New Testament book of Ephesians because uh, everybody battles something. I, I don't know anybody who isn't uh, battling with, with something, maybe at home, maybe work or school. Some people battle loneliness or anxiety on a daily basis or maybe guilt from past decisions. And then, you know, you get over one battle and it seems like, okay, here comes another one uh, right after it. I can tell you, every person struggles with something at every stage in life. Every, every marriage uh, struggles with something, every parent, every single adult, every student struggles with something. And that's why we need this series to make ourselves battle ready. Even Jesus needed this. Right before Jesus began his public uh, ministry at the age of 30, he knew that he's going to face some opposition and battles. So Jesus prepared himself by getting baptized in the Jordan River. In fact, it's so important for us to know about the baptism of Jesus. All four gospels, all four of the biographies of Jesus written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John record his baptism. Here's what Matthew says about it. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Notice how God affirms the real identity of Jesus. God says, this is my son. I love him. With him, I am well pleased. And that affirmation made Jesus battle ready. And in the same way, when you get baptized, uh, God will affirm your new identity in Jesus. God says to you, this is my son. I love him. With him, I'm well pleased. This is my daughter. I love her. And with her, I am well pleased. Just like God the Father affirmed Jesus. And then look what happens right after the uh, baptism of Jesus. It says, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. That's where he got baptized. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. But Jesus is going to resist every one of those temptations because he is filled and strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Baptism made Jesus battle ready. And baptism makes us battle ready uh, as well. And I'm excited because we, got a, we have a bunch of people uh, getting baptized in our services uh, this, this weekend. And some of you already made the decision. Uh, I've talked to some of you already, and, and you've already made the decision to get baptized um, here uh, today in this service. And some of you came today not expecting to be uh, baptized. And I want to ask you if you would open your mind and open your heart to what God wants you to do. Would you open your heart, open your mind to the possibility that maybe God wants you to get baptized today? Because if Jesus needed the affirmation of baptism, surely you and I need it too. That's why Jesus has commanded every one of his followers uh, to follow his example and uh, take this important step. And it's real simple, super simple. We've got everything that you need. And uh, I'll tell you more about that later on as we continue this series 
uh, battle uh, ready. I know for me, I've got many areas in my life where I have battles and, and struggles, but I would say that uh, my, my marriage is not my you know, main area of, of struggle. Our marriage is not perfect, but it's not my main area of battle. I would say my main area of, of struggle is not health or finances or extended uh, family. This might sound crazy to some of you, but my main battle, my main struggle is me. Yeah, the most difficult person in my life is me. Uh, it's, it's the ongoing battle I have with my own fears and doubts and desires and appetites and, and cravings. For example, uh, one of my weaknesses is uh, ice cream. Yeah. Anybody else have a weakness uh, for ice cream? Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, sometimes I give in to this uh, craving, and I'll go to Dairy Queen. I live near Dairy Queen. I've been going there for many years, and every time I go, I get the same thing, the same Sunday. Until a few years ago, they dropped it from their menu, and I was just devastated. Bad day for me, but good news. They keep making it for me, and uh, they treat me really good there. Uh, when they have a new employee, they'll train them, you know, on how to make this Sunday uh, for me. Yeah, Dairy Queen's number one. Let me show you number two. This is my second favorite place to go for ice cream. It's in Minnesota. It's called Nelson's. Our son goes to college in Minnesota and took us here, and uh, my wife ate that whole thing. Yeah, proud of her. Quite an accomplishment. No, we, she didn't eat all of it. We split it. But get this, that's the small. Yeah, they have the medium, they got the large, and the, the extra large, and I can't wait to go back and try all of them. Um, but uh, joking aside, seriously, I wonder how many of us at times struggle with a desire or a craving for more. You want something more in your life. Man, it could be more money, more house, more office space, more phone, more status, more golf, more time. My guess is that all of us want more of something. If I passed the microphone around and I said, finish this sentence, I want more blank. I mean, everybody could, could finish that. And we think if we get a little more of something, it'll make us happy. And then we get more and the satisfaction doesn't last. And we think, oh, I must need something else, more of something else to, to bring me happiness, but that doesn't satisfy us either, and it actually increases our desire and craving for more. And so today, I want to talk with you about happiness and, and fulfillment in, in, in your life, because I think this is a battle area, a struggle area for many of us, and uh, this is what Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 3, when he prays for his friends in Ephesus, and he prays for all of us too. Paul says, I pray that you'll be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Paul says, I want you to have more in your life. It's not wrong to want more. Many people want more possessions, more activities, more vacations, more friends. And that's not necessarily bad. These things might be good for us. But our desire for more can keep growing and eventually squeeze Jesus out of our life, and that's why we feel empty, alone, dissatisfied, and afraid. And so we all want more of something, but what do we actually need more of? Well, I'm calling the message today, I'm filled, because in verse 19, Paul says that all of us need to be filled with more of, of God. It's interesting, in the original language, the word that he uses here for life is not just uh, biological life, it's not just physical life, it's not just eating, sleeping, and accumulating more things. He uses a word that, that uh, intentionally means a full life. The 
best things in life, a life filled with love and joy and peace and fulfillment. And in the original language, the word that uh, Paul uses for power is the word dunamos. It's the word we, where we get our English word dynamite. Paul says, God fills you with a new life and a new power, and he makes you battle ready for whatever challenges you face in, in life. And I'll tell you, the followers of Jesus in ancient Ephesus, I mean, they faced all kinds of, of battles. They lived in a difficult, hostile environment. They faced persecution for their faith. So you would think Paul would pray for their safety, for their homes and their careers, but Paul doesn't do that. And Paul writes this letter from a prison, I mean, a nasty dungeon in Rome, but he doesn't pray for his freedom or his safety. And instead, Paul prays for us to be filled with more of God because this brings us life and joy and fulfillment. It makes us battle ready. I want you to see three parts uh, to Paul's prayer, three qualities that Paul prays we will have more of. And I'm telling you, if we, get, if we can get these three qualities happening in our lives, we're going to experience more satisfaction and happiness instead of loneliness and weakness and emptiness. And so here we go. Number one, Paul prays for us to have more strength. He says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, God will give you mighty inner strength through through his Holy Spirit. And I wonder if anybody here today needs more strength, needs more power. Many people think that power is external, that power comes from outside of us. But Paul says the opposite. He says strength actually comes from God's spirit inside you. God puts mighty strength in you through his spirit. Think of it this way. It's kind of like a powerful battery inside of you. I was on the phone uh, recently with someone. It was an important conversation. And uh, right in the middle of the phone call, we got disconnected. And so I tried to call the person back, and I tried a couple times, couldn't get through. I actually I started to worry. I thought, oh, no, I hope, I hope something bad didn't happen to this person. I finally got through, and they said the, the battery on my phone went dead. And they had to find their charger and get their phone uh, reconnected. And in some ways, God's spirit, God's strength, is like a powerful battery in, inside of you. Because just like the battery in your phone needs reconnecting and recharging, we need to continually reconnect with God so that he can fill us with more of his spirit and more of his power inside of us. And, and we do that, one of the ways we do that is by gathering together on the weekends like this and uh, celebrating God together. And then during the week, connecting with each other in groups and teams and and privately spending time celebrating our relationship with God because it fills us up with more of God's strength and it makes us battle ready. And all of us need strength because sometimes life can just be one battle after another. I got to visit with Dave and Sharon Cole uh, recently. Uh, Many of you know Dave and Sharon. They work on our staff. Dave is campus pastor over in Pewaukee. And uh, you know, you probably heard that uh, Dave had an accident Recently, a storm knocked down a bunch of trees on his property, and so Pastor Dave got out the chainsaw and cut down trees, cut up trees, and one of the trees uh, sprang up unexpectedly and hit him in the face uh, so hard, uh, it broke his jaw, and uh, yeah, uh, he's going to be fine. Uh, we're, we're, really, we're actually grateful. I mean, it could have been much worse, but... Um, 
uh, keep Dave in your prayers. He had to have some surgery, and, and uh, the recovery's been uh, difficult because they uh, wired his mouth shut so that his jaw would uh, heal. And so I went over to visit Dave. I've never been around anybody with the mouth wired shut. And I'm driving over, and I'm thinking, you know, I don't think Dave's going to be able to talk. This is probably going to be a one-way conversation. But uh, Dave was able to, 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 to talk, and I understood everything that he said. And uh, Dave said that, uh, Dave joked that he's learning to be a ventriloquist. Yeah. And uh, he's going to start a puppet ministry when he gets out, when he gets back. We're looking forward to that. It's good to see his sense of humor alive and, and well. But talk about one battle after another. The day before this accident, uh, Sharon's father passed away after a long uh, battle with an illness, but much sooner than expected. Uh, Sharon's father dies, and the next day, uh, Dave has this freak accident. Uh, That's really difficult. But when people go through difficulty, you get to see what's inside of them. And I'm telling you, I could see the inner strength and the faith, and the hope, and even the joy. And that has sustained Dave and Sharon and their family and made them battle ready. And I wonder today, if instead of needing more stuff, more activities, more home, more trips, more whatever, again, those things are not necessarily bad, but maybe for some of us, what we really need is a mighty inner strength from God's Spirit inside of us to make us battle ready. And then in verse 17, Paul continues his prayer. He makes a second request. And he says, I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your heart through faith in him. I love that verse. Paul prays that that Christ will have more room in our hearts through faith. Now, I want you to understand something important about this prayer. These people in Ephesus that Paul prays for, uh, they're already following Jesus. They're already Christians. This is not a prayer for salvation. They're already saved. He's talking about allowing Jesus to permeate every area of their life so Jesus will be more and more at home in their hearts, which which will fill them with joy and strength and satisfaction. And uh, here's a question for us. Does Jesus permeate every area of your life and and, and mine, or is Jesus just uh, just a small section of our life? Here's how many people... Uh, you know, live their life, they, they, they actually put themselves at the uh, center. And uh, they say, well, you know, I'm going to choose, you know, and, and do my career, you know, my way. I'm going to uh, uh, pick my friends based on what I want. I'm going to uh, lead my family my way. I'm going to spend my money how I want. We don't really bring Jesus into uh, any of this uh, uh, be, be, because he, we, we just acknowledge him once in a while. You know, maybe, maybe I'll take Jesus out once a week, maybe, maybe twice a week, but really it's, it's about me and my life. But here's the kind of room that Paul prays will give Jesus, where we give Jesus the center, the center space in our life. And we say, Jesus, how do you want me to do my career? Jesus, what kind of friendships do you want me to develop? How do you want me to navigate my my family? How do you want me to practice recreation? How do you want me to spend my money in a way that honors you? Because it's not just a financial decision, it's a spiritual decision. Paul prays that we'll give Jesus more room in our hearts. It's not a prayer for salvation. It's a prayer for permeation, for Jesus to permeate every part of your life. But we've got to make room 
we got to make space for Jesus, and sometimes that means making adjustments. So does Jesus permeate every area in your life, or is he just a small section? I'm telling you, the more we make Jesus at home in our hearts and in our lives, the more he permeates every area, the more we're going to experience joy. He's going to fill us with joy and, and satisfaction and strength and peace. That's why Paul prays for us to make more room for Jesus, because he knows these other things that we fill our lives with, clothes, hobbies, vacations, homes, they're not necessarily bad. I mean, they, and they can bring a certain amount of joy, but the joy doesn't last. Again, these are not necessarily bad things. They're just not good ultimate things to center your life uh, around. There really is a void in every human heart that only Jesus can fill. That's why Paul prays for us, to give more room to Jesus in our hearts. All right, I want you to see the final request that Paul uh, makes. Look at these great words. He, he, he prays, may your roots go down into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you have the power to understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. And then he prays, may you experience the love of Christ. Though it is so great, you'll never fully understand it. Then you'll be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Paul prays for all of us to experience more of the love of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you. I grew up going to church and, you know, all my life, all my life, people have told me about God's love. People have, have told me that, that God loves me. Uh, people have told me how, how much, try to tell me how much God loves me. And so I know intellectually that God loves me. But Paul says, look at this, he, he prays that we would experience the love of, of, of Jesus, the love of, of God. And so I don't want to just know about it intellectually. I want to feel it. I want to experience the fullness of it. Sometimes, sometimes I, th I think of God's love in this verse in Ephesians when I'm around a large body of water. Yeah, this is Lake Michigan uh, right here. Lake Michigan is, is, is huge. I, I don't know if you know this. I looked this up. Lake Michigan is uh, uh, 118 miles across. 317 miles long, over 1,600 miles of shoreline. Uh, the average depth of Lake Michigan, 279 feet. At its deepest point, it reaches a depth of 925 feet. And I look at, at Lake Michigan and, and think of the scripture, and I think of God saying, Ben, I love you. Over 100 miles wide, over 300 miles long, over 900 feet deep, just like you can't see the limits of the water. My love is limitless. I love you. It never ends. It washes over you every minute of every day. Wouldn't it be great to celebrate and live in the reality of God's love every single day? But Paul says it's hard for us to understand it. He says we're never going to fully understand it. But he says that we can begin to understand and experience the love of God. And it's so important for us to experience more of God's love because when you know you're loved, it fills you up, makes you battle ready, and you can accomplish so much more in life. Look at what Paul says about this. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is so great that you'll never fully understand it. Then, notice that connecting word, then you'll be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Paul says when God's love begins to sink in, and just wash over you, then you'll be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God, which makes you capable of so much more. 
Uh, Brene Brown is a researcher, and she's done tons of research on love and shame and vulnerability. Maybe some of you have heard of her. Maybe you've watched her TED Talk. Over 37 million people watched this talk that she gave on this subject. And so I want to share just a couple observations from Brene Brown. She says, there are two irreducible needs of men, women, and children, and they are non-negotiable for the needs of every human being. And she says, she says those two needs are to be loved and to belong. Here, here's, what, here's what Brene Brown said. Love and belonging are the two irreducible needs of men, women, and children. And in the absence of love and belonging, there is always, always suffering. And then she went, to, went on to define how love is not just this squishy emotion. She says when two people love each other, they trust each other. They give generously to each other. They feel safe enough to make themselves vulnerable with each other. And then she said, love can be cultivated between two people only when there is self-love present in both. It's very difficult to love someone more than we love ourselves. That is so true, isn't it? She's saying that you can't really give something to somebody else that you don't have yourself. You can't really give something like love to somebody else if you don't feel it and have it yourself. That is so accurate, but she falls short of saying that a person can only feel love themselves by receiving and experiencing God's love, because that's where love comes from, and it's a constant supply. Paul says it this way in verse 17, may, you, may your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. Paul says the way to love and respect yourself so that you can love and respect other, other, other people is when you sink your roots down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. Because when you root yourself in God's love, when you have more of that, then and only then will you be filled with life and power that comes from God. I want you to hear from a man in our church by the name of, of Nate who has rooted himself more in God's love and how baptism, getting baptized, helped him to understand and experience more of God's love. Take a look. Hi, I'm Nate Leaders. I've been attending River Glen, Pewaukee since uh, its second service. I was raised a Jehovah Witness. Um, left in my teen years, and after after that, religion didn't sit so well with me. I live one block away from the Pewaukee campus. Um, so I saw the campus like being built. I was coming home early one Sunday morning from work and saw a service happening. So the next week we attended, uh, really loved the message, uh, and we've been coming ever since. It added a light in my life that hadn't really been there before. Um, I'm not a very social person, uh, but I felt a calling to try and go to the men's group, the early morning men's group. Things progressed there. I was loving the men's group. Decided to join Rooted, which is, again, not typical of me. The more I was engaged with the small groups, 
The more I prayed, um, the more alive I felt, and the more I felt like I had a light in my life that was, wasn't there before. I had had problems with myself, with, you know, uh, my self-esteem, just mental thoughts, and uh, the more I engaged in, in prayer and in group, the more, the more smoothly my life went. And so then I, I decided that uh, baptism should be my next step and that I needed to to make a point and I kind of viewed it as an anchor in my life, like a promise to myself as much as to God to remember what changes he's put into my life. If, if difficulties arose in the future, I can look back at that point and remember that as a promise you know, to God and to myself that he has helped me through difficult times and changed my life. So it's made a big difference. The mental aspect of it was, you know, of a cleansing and a lifting of the weight of my past. Um, I had never considered that Jesus died for me. I, I, I didn't feel worthy of that. I realized that he did die for me. And getting baptized, I think, was me acknowledging that and appreciating that. I appreciate Nate, yeah. Thank you, Nate. <clears throat> Love hearing stories like that. Uh, baptism is all about understanding and experiencing God's love. Um, in, in baptism, it, it, it's, like, it's like God's love washing over you, affirming your new life, your new identity, your new power in Jesus, and it makes you battle ready. And uh, we got a bunch of people, a bunch of people taking this step uh, this weekend in, in this uh, service. And uh, for those of you that maybe feel like God's nudging you today to join them, you don't have to wait any longer. But I wonder, what could prevent you from taking the step of baptism to today? Uh, because we got everything ready to go. we got baptistries in both locations, Waukesha and Pewaukee, and, and we got the water heated up for you, and we're, we're ready to go. We just need you to make a decision uh, today to take this step of uh, baptism. You say, but I couldn't do it today. And I would say, well, why? Why couldn't you do it today? And uh, you say, well, I haven't had the baptism class. Well, you just had it, you know? Done. We took care of that today. Or, you know, maybe you say, well, you know, if I, if I get baptized, you know, what are other people going to think? What are the people going to think who see me do this? I'll tell you what they think. They're, they're going to think you're making the best decision of your life. And they are going to cheer for you, and they are going to applaud you, uh, just like the angels in, in heaven. Uh, some of you, I know what you're thinking. I look so good today, and I put so much time in making myself look good. I'll do this another time. But you know what that is? Uh, that's just pride. Yeah, but I wasn't planning on doing this today. Well, maybe you didn't have it written on your calendar, but God had today circled on his calendar, and uh, you didn't come prepared today, but you know what? We came prepared for you, 
And uh, we have everything that you need. We've got towels. We've got really cool t-shirts. You get to keep the t-shirt. We've got shorts. We've got uh, undergarments. You say, what about my kids in kid life? Well, I checked with the team, and they said you can pick them up next week. Okay? <laughs> You're like, but I'd love for my family to be here. I'd love for my friends to be here. Listen, we're going to put this on video. We're going to give you a picture, and you can share this with your family, with your friends. You can share it with them a thousand times. And you know what? Your, your, your real family, your true family is here. God the Father, God your Father is looking down on your baptism just like he did with Jesus at his baptism. And he's going to say, that's my son, that's my daughter whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. There's, there's no good reason for you to leave here today with an identity, with a sense of personal identity that says, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. When Jesus gives you a new identity as a child of God, and there's no good reason for you to walk out of here today feeling uh, unsure or uh, lacking assurance of your salvation because Jesus died and was buried and he resurrected for you. And there's no reason, no good reason for you to walk out of here feeling defeated or, or hopeless because Jesus is your living hope and he offers you victory. And so here's how we're going to do it. We're going to stand in a moment and then I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to continue to, to stay standing and sing a song together. And if you want to get baptized today, it's real simple. During that song, just make your way to an aisle and head to the lobby, okay? We've got a team there. And if you came planning to get baptized, same thing for you. During this song, while we're standing and singing, you just make your way to an aisle. Uh, go to the lobby. We've got a team right in the middle of the lobby at the table. They're going to greet you. They're going to help you. They're going to make sure that you have everything that you need. We've got private changing space for you, and we'll have the baptism celebration later in the service. You can come today as an individual. You can come as a couple or as a family. Maybe some friends will come and support each other. When the team starts singing, you just step out from uh, wherever you are and, and head to the lobby. But before we do that, I want to go ahead and ask everybody to stand with me. And we're going to put some words on the screen here. And I'm going to invite everybody, if you believe these words, to say these words out loud with me, okay? So would you repeat after me? I believe that Jesus died for my sin and raised from the dead. And I accept him as my Lord and Savior. Wow, those are the greatest words that uh, any human being can ever say. And if you believe, if you believe that, what are you uh, waiting for? Follow the example of Jesus. Follow the command of Jesus. Be baptized today. Wash your sin away. Embrace your new identity. Let me uh, pray for us before we sing together. God, thank you for... God, thank you for so many people taking the step of, of baptism in this service and this weekend. God, thank you for filling us with life and power and strength and joy through your spirit. God, would you help us to make more room in our lives, more room in our hearts for Jesus? God, I, I know that there are probably people here, maybe many people, who believe but have yet to submit to baptism and 
And today's their day, God. And I, I just pray that through your spirit, you would nudge them, that you would move them and, and give them that extra courage that they need to take this step and obey this command that Jesus has given every follower to get baptized. And I pray this in his name. Amen.